0: Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is I, your host, Dr. Alice Kirby, and with me today I have Marie McKenzie of Sober Girls Travel. Thanks so much for joining me, Marie.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm vis- I'm visiting from Bali today. Yay! Uh,
0: I know I'm I'm I just got on the Zoom with Marie, and she has this sort of beautiful outdoor looking arrangement behind her and looks warm and sunny and quite nice
1: (laughs) it is very very lovely it's very hot here now we had our we had our what we call our little mini winter where we could still sleep with blankets on the bed but now we're getting to uh getting to a point of like kicking the sheets and blankets off and going ah at night so do you use a lot of fans Yeah, I use a fan. So I get a bit like if I use aircon, I get a bit sick. But everyone uses aircon here, but I just have a nice fan, Mm -hmm. nice breeze on me. So yeah. And winter's only 23 degrees, which um, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but um, that's not really what people call winter. (laughs) Just a little
0: cooler, maybe wear a light jacket.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. So I'd love to hear
0: more about, um, I know with Sober Girls Travel, can you just tell me a little bit about like what that is and how you came up with the idea, like and where the sort of the inception and the creation for the idea of sober girls travel came from?
1: Yeah, sure. So I was um, I'm coming up um, well, I was, I turned five years sober in June this year. Congratulations. um, Yeah. It's been an absolute sort of um, yeah. Crazy journey. Um, You know, coming and going, ebbing and flowing, changing, And I got to a point um, about six months ago where I was back in New Zealand and I was trying to figure out what it was I was meant to be doing in the world. And, uh, but I was getting very overwhelmed with all my ideas and I felt like I needed to do this great big thing. And then I, excuse me, and then I just decided one day, like what actually brings me joy? And I love to travel and I love sober woman. So I was like, well, how about putting the two together and creating Sober Girls Travel. So pretty much instantly on the spot I was like, right, that's it. A sober travel group and then I just came up with Sober Girls Travel. I started the Facebook page, started a website and I just went from there and it's um yeah, it's, it's only been 6 months and it's um it's going really really well. That's wonderful. Yeah, Where, yeah uh... I just wanted to Yeah, I just wanted to offer like I just knew that um you know, especially in early sobriety, we, we all think that our lives are going to end. If we, you know, if we get sober, we're not going to be able to do anything fun anymore. And I was like, there's no way in the world I'm going to stop my life just because I'm sober. And I do remember, I do remember, you know, I've, I got sober at 38 years old and I know that, um, you know, the reasons why I didn't get sober earlier was this absolute fear of what the hell am I going to do with my life when I give up drinking? Like Mm -hmm. I literally thought my life would end. And so that the fear I had going into that was just kept me away for so long. And then, you know, through the process and through the five years, I came to that realization, Hey, I need to let people know that this is not the case. Yeah. So that's where it came. That was one of the main reasons why.
0: When you were in early sobriety and kind of getting over that hump, I guess, because eventually you you got in and realized, okay, I want to quit drinking and change my life. Like when you were in sort of your first six months or your first year, what kind of things did you do back then that helped you to feel like you were still living your life or that you didn't have to completely give up fun? Like, do you remember, I know that was a while ago, like, if you you know went out with other sober people or if you just kind of stayed to yourself or how did you start incorporating fun like along your sober journey?
1: Yeah, well I um I got into the program through 12 step and um I found that the fellowship was a huge part of my Um, sobriety in the early stages like I just loved going to meetings and having people like you know I was an absolute crazy nut bar I'd go from one extreme like I love the the name of your podcast I'd go from one extreme to the other I'd be one like on this hell of a pink cloud and then I'd be like down in the dumps going (laughs) I hate my life (laughs) and and talking to people about like totally crazy shit like exchange rates going up and down and losing money and I was I was crazy so I I totally, totally loved being around a sober tribe. Um, Also I found Zumba. So I found like, I always like, they, you know, a lot of people say what made you happy as a kid and -hmm. things that made me happy as a kid was singing and dancing. So I found Zumba and I was doing like Zumba really like just, it saved my life in early sobriety, just having that place I could go and like move my body and let all the energy out and, kind of like you know just have a bit of fun so that was a that was a big part of it so yeah sober tribe finding your people and then looking into like and you know you really do need to start looking into things that make you happy when you get sober because you're kind of like oh Mm -hmm. shit now I've removed all this stuff who am I and what makes me happy so dance singing being around people like mines was massive for me in early in the early days
0: yeah I relate to a lot of that. Um, And I love what you just said about Zumba. I was listening to a Theo Vaughn's podcast. He's a comedian over here. I don't know if you've heard of him this afternoon, but he was saying like, you got to move your body. But the way he said it was, um, I don't know, it just hit me in a different way where I was like, yeah, I really do have to start moving more because like through our physical movement, it actually calms our mind quite a bit. Um, And I miss dancing. So that's a nice that's a nice inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's cool. Yeah. Well, I,
1: I, I, when I was, I remember when I was drinking, I never danced.
0: Hmm. So it was
1: more about like, I was so fixated on getting the next drink Yeah. you know, you hear a lot of stories where, you know, there's that drunk person like up on the dance floor and you're like, Oh God, you know, sit down, sit down, Marie, you're, you're making a fool of yourself. I wasn't that person. I was the opposite. I was like, you know, drink, 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 drink. So when Mm -hmm. I got sober, I was like, wow, this dancing thing. And now I can go out like I absolutely find so much joy in going out and dancing sober. I mean, I had this one night just um, probably a year ago and it felt like a total spiritual awakening. I was out, I'd just been to like a Zumba thing and we did an hour of Zumba and then um, everyone was staying around for a little while because there was a DJ coming on and the DJ came on and he was like an eighties, nineties DJ playing all this classic music. And I just, had i just got up on the dance floor and i was in this space of just absolute total self-love just doing my thing Hmm. not caring about what anyone thought of me and i was like i had people like looking at me going like wow i want whatever she's on i want what she's got and it was absolute total sobriety and presence and joy and i was just like love this yeah that's awesome
0: and you're more coordinated too, even from a like a physiological perspective when you're not drinking. You're like, oh, I can actually totally.
1: <laughs> control and like
0: get in my body a little bit more and just kind of ride the waves of sound because I'm present mm. and I'm connected and my physiology is all firing the way that it should. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. I'm so right. tell me about some of the trips that you've done so far with Sober Girls Travel. Where have you gone and how many people have come and
1: Yeah, so um, we have done two retreats so far, and they've all been in Bali. Um, We've actually sort of things, just like my sobriety, things are sort of like, they flow organically with me, and, and you know, what starts off here then moves into something else, so we um we started in Bali because it was my second home, and I knew it like the back of my hand, and I knew I could bring people here and and make a beautiful experience for them. Mm. so we've um, we've done two retreats in Bali so far, and they've been just like little tasters. So they've been like a seven day taster of Bali, a bit of culture, a bit of food. Bit of spirituality, but every single person who has come here on those retreats has had an actual spiritual awakening. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they've shifted, they've um, had realizations and realized that, oh my God, I've got to do this in my dreams and what they are. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and so, um, and when I've tried to organize other trips outside of um, Bali, that's been a little bit kind of ha- a lot harder to do. So at the moment, I'm focusing at least for the next year on, um, on Bali. Just offers so much, um, especially to Sober Woman. It's just got such a beautiful vibe. And, and now I've sort of worked worked um the tr- retreats into more of a spiritual healing retreat. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit longer and there's so much more delicious modalities like breath work and kundalini yoga and beautiful sound healing and pyramids. There's some amazing pyramids I've made here in the rice paddies, which you lie in and sound gets played inside them and just heaps of, delicious, yummy stuff like that.
0: Yeah. It sounds relaxing and soothing, but also adventurous and, um, yeah. And like spiritual where you have time to actually sort of sit and let things come to you, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. We're running, um, are running
1: workshops as well in these next retreats coming up, um, on self-love and the art of letting go. So there, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of sort of deep, deep work and, and, you know, time to reflect and journal and yeah, I'm very passionate about um, you know helping women and that side of it, you know, in sobriety. Moving forward, once we've got sober,
0: yeah, that's my whole thing. It's like, great, now that we're sober, like, what next? You know, what can we yeah. do now? With the mm-hmm. the women that have come so far, have they been like mostly in early sobriety, or have they been sober for quite a while, or do you have a combination?
1: Yeah, it's been an absolute range. Um we had a um young girl come who was just oh, absolutely filled my heart with joy. She came totally anxious at 72 days sober. Mm. And um like I think she wanted to go home on the first evening she arrived but we were able to put her at ease and then she just had a transformational time. So, um, so we've had 72 days up to 12, 17 years I think is the most. Yeah. So it's been, um, and just the connections we've had, um, a range of people from Australia, New Zealand, America, um, Canada. And so it's just been these relationships that have been forming and the friendships and the bonds. It's just, um, yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the whole reason why I keep it. I've only kept it to 10 women. Because I, like I want that. those 10 women to get together and to really like form like a trust that they can, you know, do some really, um, you know, special work together and, and grow together. And yeah, it's been amazing.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it. Do you, do, do you have like a 12 step meeting style format at all as part of the retreats?
1: No, they, um, I mean in here in Ubud, um, there are 12 step meetings twice a day. There's, there's an amazing recovery in Bali um, in general. Um, so yeah, they're optional. So, because, you know, people come from all different ways of right. getting sober. Right. Like, we, you know, I, I came from 12-step. I absolutely, um, you know, I always, I'm so grateful for the 12-step program because it brought me to, to where I am today. Um, but, you know, there's some people have, um, you know, read different books and gone through different avenues. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. no... Um, there's no set, um, you know, and it's not like it's, it's recovery focused as in that we're all in recovery, but it's like optional for you to go to recovery meetings. And, you know, it's just the chats that we have on the daily, you know, that are actually like what yeah, people, yeah. women need to hear. And then they, you know, women see other women, you know, getting on with their life and doing well in sobriety and then they get, you know, inspired by that. So it's, it's, um, yeah, the whole thing's um really amazing.
0: Sounds very fluid too. like just bringing people together and having, you know, some things planned and um, ways for people to go and express themselves and to have that quiet time, but also just to let things unwind and happen.
1: Yeah, we give them as much freedom as, you know, because we, we we are <laughs> we are addict women and we like to <laughs> we like to control things, you know. Yeah. We don't like to be told like on this day you have to go here and do this. You know, we do have activities most days, but we have given um, most of the um, retreats we do have a couple of days where, you know, you can go off and do whatever you want and then there's there's hours free every day. So if you want to go and join a yoga class, you can just walk down the road. So it's very much like, hey, we're doing this. And like, if they don't want to do something, they don't have to do it. You know, this is what's in your package. If you want to do that, you can. If you just feel like staying at home and lying by the pool, you can do that too. So, do,
0: you, do you normally have people in like a resort or a hotel type setting? Or where, where do the retreats take place? Or where have they taken place so far? What kind of accommodation?
1: Yeah, so we've, done, we've, had, um, we've had a range. Because um, the first retreat that we did do was in June. And, um, that was, there was an AA convention on at that time. Hmm. And so we, um, so with the ladies came, it was quite funny, actually, like it was a three day AA convention and, um, and they were they were meant to be going to meetings and going to all the convention stuff, but they were like, man, I'm in Bali. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to go to the beach and get massages. So I only had a few like hardcore kind of twelve steppers that were going to meetings, <laughs> but the rest were out like, no, oh, you know, doing their thing. <laughs> um, and then we uh, we were at a resort um, and it had like amazing yoga in the morning and stuff like that. And then we've um, they've moved on to another one now, um, which is which is own rooms. It's beautiful and it's in the rice paddies and it's walkable distance to town and so yeah we usually um all depending on numbers in the in the accommodation we choose it's like sometimes it's our accommodation only and there's no one else there but us and then other times it's like the last one was just um we had rooms and there was about three or four other people there as well but yeah no one seemed bothered by that yeah
0: yeah Um, did you travel a lot? I'm getting the feeling that you did like before you got sober and before you came up with this idea. I know you said that travel was one of the things that you looked to when you were looking at what gave you joy. Um, what were some of your own like early travels like in your life and what sort of instilled, I feel like there's people who love to travel and I'm always curious about what these people like, what is it in them? That, Mm. you know, if it's, you traveled as a kid or you had some kind of a magical experience where you just don't like to let the grass grow under your feet. So can Mm. you speak a little bit?
1: I've always been, I kind of call myself like the black sheep of the family or the seeker. And I feel like that's got a lot to do with, um, with my recovery my, you know, like, you know, my addictions, um, where I've come from, what's happened in my life. So I've always been somebody who's always kind of been, nah, this is not, this is not enough uh, mm, what's that over there? I want to go check that out. So, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's just something inside of me. It's always been something that I've wanted to kind of just go and seek and, and I don't, I'm, I'm not an in the box person. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if you tell me this is how it is, I'll be like, ah, nah, I'm going to try that. Mm-hmm. So, so with travel, that's always been something that's just been like, wow. So like, Hey, I'm sitting in little old New Zealand, What's happening over there or you know and wanting to check it out? but I must admit a lot of my a lot of my travel has always been you know very drunk, drunkard experiences, you know it was always you know targeted around sort of going out and getting getting pissed and and you know and then I'd get drunk and black out again and you know so it was always um very messy, very messy times but I, I have got to see a lot of the world, but you know now, now that's also why you know sober girls travel is so important I get to now travel and and see countries and see the countries and actually experience everything
0: um and remember it
1: yeah instead of being this sort of drunk person who but I I must admit I did do a lot of fun karaoke (laughs) (laughs) that's great very very good at it and I've had some interesting experiences waking up with like tie Bart all over the bed going where the hell did all this money come from <laughs> with my ex-husband so it wasn't that dodgy but it was kind of dodgy we woke up going what the fuck is all this money doing on the bed and all over the floor Is all this tie butt and we were like i think it has anything to do with playing pool in a competition but i think we won so yeah i've had some <laughs> very very random um travel experiences, but I just love doing anything. Um, you know, I just, and that's, that's part of what I do as well. I just love empowering women to get outside the box and go and check it out. You know, I've heard so many, um, I've had so many women like on my, on my Facebook page that say they live in the States. And they, they'll say to me, oh, but I've never gone, um, I've never left state before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I've never, and I just think to myself, wow, you know, there's just so much more of this big, big world out there. And, you know, we, you know, we're only here this one time in life, you know, get out there and experience it. You don't know what's out there unless you go and have a look. And, you know, I've had, um, I had a beautiful woman come in from um, Minnesota who'd like never really meditated before. And and she got to experience this beautiful meditation in in the pyramids. And now it's something she's like, wow, cool. Instead of watching Netflix at night, I can actually like meditate to this beautiful sound meditation. And I'm like, wow. And people that have never had a full body massage before just the, all the first hearing all these people saying, I've never done that before. Oh my God. Or taking the leap of faith, getting on a plane and, and traveling all the way over here, but no one's been disappointed. You know, it's the whole world's out here waiting for you to see it. I think
0: it's (laughs) wonderful too, that you're providing sort of a safety for people to come to. Um, I was talking with the friends at a women's group the other night who was just, she won't get on a plane. She has some PTSD and she just, Mm -hmm she just won't ever travel. Like one of our other lady friends is getting ready to go to Europe. So we were talking about that. And um, and some of the women had said, oh, you know, I don't, when I was drinking, I never really felt like I could travel just because I couldn't manage everything. You know, I couldn't manage like a passport or bus tickets or yeah. train tickets. And like, I, I've i never like had that problem personally. I've always just been, um, you know, let's grab some drinks at the train station and we'll sit here with beers. And if we miss the train, we'll figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. But it was interesting to hear this other perspective and, and to see people who one of my friends just went to Scotland and that was like her first time where she was like, hey, I could do this. You know, she's a year sober and she figured out the passport and she, it was like so neat to see her come back and to be able to share this whole new, like world really had opened up of she can travel internationally and get on a plane mm-hmm. and she is, you know, she can manage everything and it's fun and delightful and all these like wonderful things happened uh, while she was there. Mm. So it's, it's great that you're sort of holding like a container for people that maybe are a little bit scared to go.
1: Yeah. Know. And I mean, like, isn't that a beautiful thing now? What, look at the life that's opened up to this woman. She can now see that she can do anything. And that's what it is. It's that tiny little step. It's that first step, you know? And, and as soon as someone sees that they're interested in coming on a retreat with me, I'm there a hundred percent with them from that point right through you know, so I I will, you know, I will even help them suggest, you know, who to contact for flights, and then once they've got their flights, they get picked up by the driver, there's a little sign waiting for them, like, the whole entire thing is just, and and they they've walked through every step of the way, if they're concerned about this, I answer the question, it's just, you know, and so then they, they come along feeling totally like, I've got this, we've got this, and we're like a team from the moment they book, you know, it's like, just to help them through with all those little questions, and Yeah, so I
0: I saw that actually in quite a few of your reviews on your website is uh, women talking about how supported they felt and like how good that you were and how um, like safe you made them feel and you were able to roll with the punches, but continue to like have them feel supported throughout the whole entire process.
1: Yeah. And Uh, I think that comes down to the fact, you know, I've lived here for so long and it it really is like my second home and mm -hmm. and if anything, and, and because, and also too, I feel like it's where I'm at in my sobriety. You know, I've come to a place of emotional sobriety where, you know, like things happen and I and I don't I don't let things, I don't go too high, so then I don't go too low. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just like to sit in the flow and in the, in the middle and, you know, if something cool happens in my life, I kind of go, wow, cool, that's awesome. And then I sort of like, you know, we'll just sort of bring it back down so I'm not too up here because then say if someone turns around and says, oh, no, I'm not doing that now, then I'm not going, you know, right yeah. down and, and feeling depressed and gutted that something didn't work out. So... So when things happen on the trip, and and they feel, you know, like I can just sort it out really quickly because I know people, and I just and I just take it with ease and flow, and. And, you know, I just, if they want, and and things, you can do things here that you can't do back in the States or back in New Zealand. Like, Oh, can, I'd really like to do this. Um, Might be have a message in my room or go here and do this. And it's just so easy here. Mm -hmm. I just get on my phone and I like, you know, just go, okay, yep. That's sorted. Um, they'll be here in five minutes. And they're like, what they can't believe like, (laughs) you know, what I can make happen. And it's just, um, yeah, I think it comes with knowing people, feeling calm, um, feeling like, yeah, anything's possible. Yeah. And just, yeah, I love, and that's the part that I love. I really found out that I really love organizing that and like watching all the stuff flow and the ease of everything coming together. And yeah. And this was uh, the first trip was people I knew um, I'd met back in New Zealand through fellowship there. And so the second trip was all strangers, Hmm. which was kind of like nerve wracking for me. I was like, Oh no, you know, like how are these people, how are we all going to flow? And, And, um, but as I said, like, I always have a relationship with them via Facebook or whatever it is throughout that, the few months leading up. And then by the time, you know, they turn up, I feel like I know them anyway. And I'm like, hi, you know, and, and, um, yeah. And then we, you know, then we become a little family. And so, no, it's really, it's really awesome. And I love taking care of them. So that's like, you know, making everything, give them everything they want. Mm.
0: That's lovely. Do you find that that the women who come have like similar characteristics, even if they haven't been developed as much? Like just thinking back to that instinct in you or in me or in other women that or in other people that are really called to travel. Like, do you see that sort of same vein running through these women, whether it's just being awakened or whether it's you know been there for a long time and they're experienced travelers? Like, do you see any kind of similar traits that way?
1: I don't know, like, I mean, with some of these women on the last trip, they really were quite new to this, especially, you know, going from where they lived to Bali, you know, it was kind of like, it was taking that step outside the comfort zone, but I I think what it was in these women was, they were ready for change, they were wanting to experience something to kind of flip them out of their comfort zone and those women now have gone back to where they're from and gone right this has made me realize I am not living my life how I want to live my life and big changes have come so I've had women that you know have gone back and realized oh my god like I've been living my life for all these other people and not for myself and now I want to like get out and live my life for me and then just all these beautiful changes like people realizing they're in the wrong relationships and then like you Mm -hmm. know breaking up with their, with their partners and, and um, people wanting to start businesses. And yeah, so I think it, um maybe a trip like this sparks, sparks that, you know, that fire inside them and they want to, and then this, you know, the energy that's here in Bali does something to people. I don't know what it is, but it's like kind of this funky, funky energy that shifts happen, changes happen. It just, it is, it just does that. I don't know what it is. How long have you been living there? I moved here in June of 2013. Okay. So yeah, about six years.
0: So you were there at least part-time before you got sober?
1: Yeah, I was here for one year exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it was, that was kind of an interesting thing. Like, I mean, I, I really, Bali has an energy of, um, of bringing forth what it is that you need to learn. Hmm. so um it happens a lot and I've heard it a lot with um, many people that have moved here and and so for me it was I knew like I moved here as you know I moved here as kind of like another geographical my Mm -hmm. marriage had just ended and I was like oh my god you know like life is shit and I've got to get out of here and so I ran off ran off to Bali and um yeah and I got here and um it was funny because where I, especially where I moved to, is all about green juices and coconuts and um, spirituality and yoga, and but I found the alcoholics. Hmm. They happened to be. Um, they happened to have a watering hole right next door to where I lived, so I was able to go there in the afternoons and drink wine with these randoms. And, um, yeah, but it was, it was definitely, it kept on getting thrown, like in my face, like, come on, come on, like you've got to get sober, like things were happening. And so it was like, I could feel this pull towards this, like finally cracking and getting sober. So for me, I feel like, you know, the mirror, you know, I, I hold such Bali in such a special place in my heart because it really, it got me to get sober. It got me to that place of surrender and like finally just releasing and letting go and, you know? And so, yeah, it's definitely a very, very special place for me.
0: And it sounds like you have come such a long way too, just the way you describe your life and the way that you deal with things that come at you and like just really being able to stay in that nice state of like ease and flow. I think so many of us, you know, alcoholic and non really search for that and maybe never even find it. And Mm. I think as alcoholics too, that's maybe part of the the drinking, at least for me, was a lot of it was to try to calm down anxiety, um, and I hear that a lot. That's why I work with anxiety and women. Um, but it sounds like you have grown so much in the past five years, and, and you're just like in this nice state of ease, which is so like lovely to hear. And I can see how that makes the women who come to um, you know kind of be taken in by you feel just nurtured and cared for.
1: Mm-hmm. I really feel like the the biggest shift for me has been in the last in the last six months. Hmm. You know, it's um uh, it's been it's definitely been a rocky, <laughs> a rocky road to recovery. Um, but that you know, that's all down to what I chose at the time. You know, there's there's a hell of a lot easier ways to go about this. But, you know, I went out, you know, I had moments where I you know, I was doing um, 12 step for a couple of years and it was going really well. And then I was like, no, I'm going to be a spiritual guru here in Bali. And I'm going to become this meditation. And I went off on this little tangent. And then I was so had no emotional sobriety. I was in fear every day. I was crazy as shit. <laughs> and I was still, I still didn't pick up, but I was mad. I was insane um I'm then I moved I actually had a mental breakdown in 2017 um and I got to a point of like actually like such bad depression that I was suicidal in sobriety like Mm. I wanted to die and I was and and I ended up packing up my whole entire life here in Bali and moved back to New Zealand my mum was like you've got to come back and force me back to New Zealand and then I kind of like things came a little bit right and then I um then I actually came back to Bali again and then I decided I was leaving again and went back to New Zealand. And that's when, you know, I came up with Sober Girls Travel. But it was only when I started really doing the inner work in the last six months that things really have shifted to this new level for me. And I remember someone saying, to, not wait, it was my dad, at the age of 16, my father said to me, it's all to do with self-love.
0: Mm-hmm
1: love yourself first Marie before you can love anyone else and before anything will you know work out in your life and I was like (laughs) self-love like blah 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 you know and I sit here today at age 43 and I hands down will say it's absolutely all comes down to self-love and it's you know and then I I get asked quite often by people how do you get self-love like how do you get self-love and Someone, I heard someone say something in a meeting, and I was just like, oh, my God, that is a Self-love comes from doing esteemable acts. When you do esteemable acts, you get self-esteem. So getting sober, starting to care about other people, starting to give a shit about my parents, calling people up and saying, how are you? Um, you know, Giving people things, being of service. All of these things start adding up to that esteem. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you go, holy shit, I'm actually a really cool person. (laughs) I really like myself. (laughs) I really like myself. And then also another big part of it for me was realizing the truth of who I am as a spiritual being. Like I 100% believe that I'm part of everything that is. My favorite saying, and it's going to be my new tattoo is I am that I am. So for me to know that I am that, I am you, you are me. It helps me to be compassionate, kind and loving to everybody else because they're me. Like, who am I? Like I'm nobody special. I mean, I'm, I'm awesome, but I'm nobody, I'm not more special than you. So that's just been a huge part for me. And also in knowing that, that, you know, There is no great, I don't believe there is a great purpose for each and every one of us. I don't feel like, I feel like that can actually be overwhelming for somebody to feel like, oh my God, you've got to do your purpose in life. And if you don't do that, you're not, you know, you haven't succeeded. It's really not about that. It's about living right now. Like right now is the only moment we have. And so in this moment, talking to you, this is the only moment I have. So dance with it, you know? groove with it it really is i mean i i watched this i ended up crying in the singapore airport about three months ago and i was um listening to an old zen master called alan watts mm-hmm. and alan watts said in this little tiny snippet on youtube that we got it all wrong it's the dance we're meant to dance the dance of life life isn't a journey we're in the journey and I just, it just shifted so much for me. It was like, instead of like reaching out to that next best thing and then reaching out to the next best thing. Cause once we get there, we think we've got to get somewhere else and we get somewhere else. And then we end up, we're sitting in the nursing home going, what happened? Now what? And I just, um, yeah. So I'm just learning to embrace like everything is like just the funky ride of life, you know? And so that's where, that's just where the sort of this ease and comforts come in. It's just like, well, you know, hey, I still have goals and dreams and I want to help as many women as I can. And that's just who I am. And that's okay. You know, if your, if your dream isn't, isn't to do that, then that's cool too. You know? So, I mean, my biggest thing now is find your joy, Mm -hmm. joy, not happiness. Because happiness comes with conditions. Happiness always has conditions. Joy is in the moment. One of my
0: mentors just posted something about that, actually. This guy, Myron Golden, was like, are you seeking happiness or joy? And he said much along the same thing, like joy is non-conditional.
1: Mm. Because, you know, and, and that's that, the whole choice and the perception as well. I have a choice right now to find joy in that or to find disappointment in that. You know, so I can see something and go, wow, look at that and and find joy in it. Or I can be like, oh, that's so annoying. You know, it's just, it's, it's choice. You know, we have a choice.
0: It is. And I, I, I like, and I talk a lot about, and I teach about too, just, um, embracing what feels good and really putting attention on what feels good, like within the moment, because I feel like a lot of us are so programmed to like, got to do the work and we got to like dig deep and, you know, get all this like work done. And and yes, I think in our spiritual lives and in life in general, sometimes there is work that goes along with it. But to be able to also put a lot of attention on like what feels good, I think that's so freeing. And it like, it really has open my eyes. And I'd like to think some of the women I work with, like just up to this other way to like go through life where it's not always like work and strife and like, let's get this mm-hmm. done. It's like, whoa, okay. I feel really good right now. Like take that in. How does that feel mm-hmm. in my body? And then like, I've noticed I've been practicing that a lot in the past six months to a year where it just like, and then I notice more of it and there's like more of it to be noticed mm-hmm. because I'm noticing more of it. So it really feeds on itself. Um,
1: so I love that as I think a practice.
0: That,
1: yeah. And I think that's, you know, like, like we were saying earlier that when you get sober, you take off, you take away all of the vices and then you're left with kind of the core. And a lot of people don't know what the core of their being likes. Mm-hmm. And that's where the work comes in to actually be still And like take the time to like lie down in a beautiful space and just be in and meditate and, and actually like start thinking back, like what were the times in my life where I felt like my heart was full and I felt joy in my body? Like, what was I doing in that moment? And then do more of that, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, we don't, we need to take that time because we don't know. Like, I mean, I, and so what I try to do is catch myself when I'm smiling, Mm -hmm. catch myself when I'm feeling inspired. And then I'll be like, right, what am I doing? And like note that down and, you know, note to self, do more of that, you know? But I think we, we half of the woman or probably 80% of the women now that are in recovery probably don't even know.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. And it's, and there, I mean, there does need to be, I think some kind of like work, but I really try to like veer away from the focus because I think there can be so much focus of like, I've got to do all this like deep spiritual work. And it's like, yes, it's a part of it. And also like, yeah, what. Where in your life over the past week have you felt like yourself? Like, where are those moments where you just notice like, oh, I feel good. And then, yes, what are you doing? Go do more of that. Like,
1: mm-hmm. um, Yeah, sometimes I feel like the spiritual path too can be something um, a long, slightly addictive as well. Yeah,
0: for you sure. Know,
1: we, we, I mean, I remember in my first year of recovery, I, I suddenly um, found spiritual books. And I was like, holy shit. All these books, Power of Now, Conversations (laughs) with God. And I actually got addicted to those books. And my sponsor told me, put the books down, Marie, put the books down one at a time. And so I had to like pick a book and read one book at a time. So it's like, you know, and I think that's the other, that's the other kind of awakening that I had is that what you seek is you, Mm -hmm. what you seek Mm -hmm. is seeking you. There is nothing to seek. You know, and, and it's as simple as, um, it's as simple as actually just, I don't know. My, I mean, my spiritual practice isn't huge now. I was going to ask, like, <laughs> do you have daily practices or even like
0: six months ago when you were sort of noticing this change and this awakening happening, like, do you have daily practices or daily rituals or any kind of sort of regular habitual
1: things that you do or behaviors yeah. that you do? See, <laughs> I feel like really like bad and naughty that I don't because I used to (laughs) and I had this like um, I had like this hardcore like regime that I did every morning and um, I would it would be like I'd wake up and I'd have like 10 minutes just where I'd sort of sit in meditation in bed and then I would read um, with daily reflection the um, 24-hour book and this other book that I've got for women um, Mm -hmm. every day a new beginning. And I would read all of these things and then I would start my day. I don't know. And then I just had sort of like, as I said, I sort of had that shift where I realized that, um, that what I was seeking and all of these things and that this, this God wasn't outside of me, that I really, I really had this transformation of, I am that God and it's in me that I sort of just things shifted for me. And I didn't really feel like um, I needed to do these things. Um, So right now I'm actually not doing, um, I don't have a morning practice. Um, I just, I just check in with my emotional sobriety. Like if I'm, if I'm not, if I feel like in at all in dis-ease, like if I'm feeling uncomfortable or I can feel a, you know, I've become very aware. So if I'm, if I can feel my mind going around one subject and panicking about something or in fear, I'll come back to myself and ground myself and, and just, you know, just sort of like look into it and see where it's coming from. And maybe like, you know, just go and stand over by my little, I call it my little spiritual area where I've got like little crystals and things like that. And I've got some beautiful cards called I am, and I'll just shuffle the cards and, you know, find one, find, pull a card out and just, yeah. So pretty much just taking a second to connect back in Mm -hmm. and breathe.
0: Do you do, um, like to check back into your body or to bring yourself back into your body, is there anything in particular that that you do as far as like observing sensation or just noticing like what's happening or any sort of physiological patterns that are going on? I get the feeling I might be um, overanalyzing this a little bit for you, but I'm just curious, like what (laughs) because I know, I know what checking in for my body means for me. And so I don't know, um, I'm curious what Mm. that is, is for
1: you. Like, what is that like to check in and to bring yourself back in? Really? It's just, it really, it is just like, it's just like a deep breath of like, you know, and, and just sort of like maybe, you know, maybe talking to myself and calming myself down, like just saying and, and checking into the thought and then seeing what the thought is and then like questioning the thought. Okay, come on, that's not really true. And then, and then just sort of like flicking it out and then just going back to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's just about checking into like, you know, to the thoughts, to the thought patterns that are going on and seeing, you know, I, I, I will never forget this moment because people have always said, you know, you have this window of opportunity between a thought coming in, then if you're, if you're good at looking at thoughts and your awareness, you'll see the thought, then you've got a window of opportunity to choose to believe the thought and go with it or chuck it out and bring a new thought in and then the action comes. And I, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, and I never, I sort of believed it and I um, never had seen any evidence of it. And one day I was driving along on my motorbike and I was so happy. I was in this beautiful mood. Everything was going well in my life. And I'm riding along on my motorbike and this thought comes in and says, yeah, but you're a piece of shit and no one's going to be interested in what you've got to offer. And I was like, holy crap, where did that come from? And I was like, busted. And so it felt like a real busted moment of like the ego coming in and like, you know, trying to tell me that I wasn't good enough and bring me back down to my to my normal of how I think about myself. And, and it was really interesting to be able to like, see it and then sort of say, well, Hey, hang on a second. Well, no, that's not how I feel. And, um, you know, I know people say you can talk to, you can talk to that ego and say it's okay. Cause the ego is only trying to keep us safe, you know, and, and that's our normal. So our normal is I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. So we need like, we actually need to reteach the ego. Hey, no, we're safe. We're cool. We're doing all right. We just, this is the new way we're doing things now. Yeah, But yeah, it was just so fascinating watching it come in. And I just was like, wow, really, really made me a believer.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you were in a place where you could really just observe it coming in instead of taking it in as truth, like being able to mm. be like,
1: wow, this is happening. And nope, that's not it anymore. This is what we're mm. doing now. That's and that's cool. why I believe so much in the work that I, you know, I do with women, you know, I mean, I work with women just through friendship and and giving advice and things like that at the moment. Um, you know just just being able to like let woman know hey we can challenge these thoughts
0: yeah you know and i'm
1: a i'm an absolute believer now because of that experience like we can challenge these thoughts because they're not even they're not our own they're not ours you know and it's just um it's an amazing it's amazing thing to have experienced and be able to like you know share with other women that um lots of these things that go on in our crazy minds aren't you know aren't real
0: yeah not at all (gasps)
1: And like Mm -hmm. the stories that we make up, I listened, I was listening to
0: Brene Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with her a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And um, she was talking about like how she has this practice with her family where when something happens, she'll notice like, what am I making up about it? And like, what's the story about it? And then um, I started doing this with my partner, actually. We've done it a few times where I'm like, this is what I think is happening when you do this. And um, it's really been very cool to actually to articulate it with another person too, because Mm -hmm. then I see how ridiculous it is. And even when I know that the story isn't true, the fact that it rolls through my head, I'm like, oh, this is why I'm reacting this way. Because for whatever reason, this story of like, I'm not loved or I'm not good enough or, you know, whatever it is. Um, But that's been a fun, like, like a yeah, fun thing be to, fun. to with, yeah, with another person. Cause it sort of makes it
1: kind of light too, to be like, Oh, yeah. here's a story I'm telling myself. And I get it. Really- and that's, you know, and that's the thing, like sometimes I ride around on my motorbike cause there's quite a lot of people sometimes on the bikes around here. And I just see all these little humans, you know, on these bikes, you know, doing their thing and, and, you know, zooming around everywhere. And I'm thinking, wow, how fascinating is it that every single person on these motorbikes has their own stories, their own perception of the same reality that we're all in right now, it just fascinates the shit out of me. That's wild. And, and, I, and it's wild. And I'm able to go, wow, you know, and that's where, you know, I, I remember in early sobriety, God, it was all about me, you know, me, 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 me. Um, and, you know, and I never thought of a person on a bike having another perception and another reality and, and actually having stuff going on in their life that might be, you know, important to them. So that's um that's always a fun thing to do. I always like that. And you know, and that's why, you know, you can always look at people and just go, wow, you just have no, absolutely no clue what is going on for them. I mean, yeah. like you're having like you're saying, you're having these thoughts about what your partner has made you feel like. He's had his he's got his perception of what just went down. And then you get to talk about it and then be like, Wow, really? That's but, what you got from that. I'd love to do that. <laughs>
0: None of this is even real. Yeah. It's yeah,
1: it's, it's like, it's, what? It's a nice
0: way to move through things quickly, <laughs> like,
1: it's, which is yeah, great. Totally. You know? Instead of sitting there for hours, like pondering over it, going, oh, oh. God. And, yeah.
0: yeah. So um, tell me what's coming up next for Sober Girls Travel. What are you excited about, like moving forward? What's on the horizon for you?
1: Yeah. So we've, um, we've actually um, decided to do a little bit of collaboration. So we are um, collaborating with a few sober I guess you'd call them sober influences um and some of them have got different practices that they do and different um, modalities that they provide um coaches and we are bringing them over to Bali and they are gonna um they're gonna host the retreat with us and we're gonna be doing amazing workshops with them and bringing in their modalities and things so yeah we've got some um really interesting ones we've got some this amazing uh t- it's called temple art and it is um i guess it's kind of tantra um but it's all to do with women um and sexual trauma and mm-hmm. just um boundaries around men and relationships and so lots of so we're going to be working with lots of amazing people so we'll be bringing like the sober tribe over here to like you know to do these do these amazing workshops with these people here so yeah it's going to be huge range of exciting things coming up so that's um and they'll all be um they'll all be marketed on sober girls travel okay so if that's something that they feel called cool to attend so it might be if they feel like called cool to attend something to do with like the with the trauma the trauma work they you know they can pop into that and so there'll be all different all different things coming up so they'll all be marketed on sober girls travel website and um yeah if there's anyone out there who's looking to collaborate and wants to bring a group of people over to Bali, then that's what we are offering. And, um, yeah. And it's not just in recovery because we're, um, we're also very big on self, the self love piece. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're offering, we're offering to collaborate with woman, just woman, any woman, all woman.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. So, um, where can people find you? I know you mentioned Sober Girls Travel website and I know you're on Facebook and Instagram. Um,
1: yeah. So just, um, so the website is, um, just so travel.com And then on Facebook, we're just put Sober Girls Travel and that'll come up and also on Instagram. So perfect. And
0: I'll link everything in the show notes too, for people.
1: Yeah. I'm really, next year going to be our next year's our year. It's going to be awesome. Yeah.
0: That's exciting. I'm really excited excited for you. Yeah. I want to collaborate (laughs) with you.
1: (laughs) It It really is like, I just, I just want to bring as many people as I can to this beautiful island. I just, it's just, it's just magical and the energy here is amazing. And the healing that goes on here is beautiful. And you know, like it's a definitely outside the box type of place to come and I'm all about that. And I just want to light people up. I want to light people up. I want them to be empowered to like live their lives. I mean, that's the thing. We're only here once. Yeah. Let's do this thing. Let's yeah. do this thing. Let's get out. What there else and-
0: are we doing? You know.
1: What else are we doing? What <laughs> else is possible? You know, it's like I, I don't it. know. I just and you know when people like like you said your friend that got out and and had a look around and now she's like wow I can do this. I mean that world's just been opened up to this woman.
0: Yeah.
1: It's amazing, and I think you know no one needs to be scared to get outside and try these new things. Why not?
0: Why not? I agree.
1: Marie, it's been so great to speak with you. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I really loved it.
0: All right. Well Yeah, you're welcome.